0: This is the Church Security Made Simple podcast, giving leaders practical solutions to help make your community safer. I'm your host, Simon Osimo, and I'm on a mission to keep his churches safe. Now, it's been over 10 years since the Lord called me into security ministry, and as a national church safety practitioner, supporting churches across the country, I'll share my expertise to give you simple solutions to keep your church safe. So if you're ready to make your church security simple, come join me and let's dive into this week's episode as we learn how to plan, prepare and protect our ministries. So Dan, why don't we start off a little bit. So me and you've known each other for a while now. We have met in a mastermind, but I know you have an incredible journey on leadership and you've just written this new book, The Power of Me Leadership. And I wanted to get you in to talk to my group to sort of share some of your knowledge and wisdom. So maybe we'll start off telling us a little bit about uh, where did your knowledge of leadership come from?
1: Sure. Well, I appreciate being here. And if you guys, uh, people who are listening, stick around. We're going to talk about some leadership tenets that if you adopt these tenets, it will positively impact your leadership. What I've learned in leadership came from a lot of things. I've done a lot of self-discovery in the last 10 to 12 years based on um, coaching from one of my current business partners. And he got me to realize the, the power of leadership resides in all of us. And that caused me to start examining my own experiences in life. And I spent nine and a half years in the United States Army as a military police officer. And then I was in public school and public education in Wisconsin for 20 years, the last 10 of which I was a superintendent of schools. So looking back as I was writing this book the last couple of years, I really examined all the formative experiences and the feelings I had over the last 30 plus years in regard to leadership and how I became me. And the title of the book is the power of me leadership because everybody can lead and everybody has the potential within them, with their values and their skills, to be a, a good leader. So the power of me, the me in that statement, is you, the reader or the listener.
0: It's interesting you said. I was having a conversation with my wife only a couple of days ago. You know, she's um, very settled in her role, never led before. And I think her director was having a conversation with her, surrounding. You know, would you want to sort of step into a leadership role? And you know, my wife was sort of saying, "Well, I don't know if that's something that I sort of really want want to do." But I think I was encouraging her, saying, "You know, maybe maybe examine that because you have all the attributes and the skills." I think sometimes some people don't see the leader within them, and so I think particularly the name of your book, "Down the Power of Me," um, it really resonates a lot because I think people do need to see that they have the ability, if I have the skills, I'm sometimes just a question of sort of stepping, stepping into it, right?
1: Absolutely. And I spent decades, um, like pondering why it was difficult to learn good leadership from other people. But I also knew I couldn't lead like other people just because they just like they couldn't lead like me, because we're different people. You and I are unique based on our national, original nationality. Ethnicity, race, gender, age, all the experiences we've had, our upbringing, everything that makes us individuals causes us to be different leaders. So you put those two thoughts together. It's hard to learn good leadership from other people, and people can't lead like me. They go together. It's hard to learn good leadership because I can't do what you do, and you can't do what I do. And that's what really got me thinking about leadership tenets, and I originally was going to write the book based on my self-discovery and how I discovered not only what makes me tick, but more importantly, why I'm the way I am. And when I got done with the book, I realized these are just leadership tenants that literally everybody can embrace to be a, a better leader and how the, these tenants manifest themselves in your world. They're going to look different than mine based on our individual traits, skills, values, et cetera. But at the end of the day, we can still adhere to the same leadership tenets.
0: Yeah, and I know in your book, you've got nine strategies or nine tenets, you are and we're only going to go through a couple of them. So if people are listening to this conversation, Danny is for sure going to come back and share in a couple couple more. And I said to him, can you just give us two today? Let's just sort of go into to two. Uh, and then the first one you gave, which straight away, I think I messaged you last night and said, I have, numerous stories of a really um, bad leader um, not taking care of their people. But this was the first one that you wanted to talk about is, is taking care of your people. So how did you come up with this as being one of your tenants and Dan?
1: Well, it's something I've always, uh, I'm, One of my core values is protecting other people, taking care of other people. So it's always been in me. But then I started realizing exactly what you just said when you encounter leaders, bosses, managers, or other people around you who you are seeing not taking care of their people for whom they're responsible. And it it stands out. It's obvious. Now, I realize, I'm not naive, and I realize there are small organizations, institutions, specifically some churches and leaders of churches who may be listening to this, where they're one or two people in an office, not only covering the logistics of a church, but also the congregation. And there's a lot to managerial tasks to go in that. So it's it's rare that I encounter a leader who overtly and consciously does not take care of people because they don't want to. It's sometimes they're a victim of circumstance and they don't Take the time to realize the people around them, their coworkers, in your in church case the congregation. Everybody, the people are what matter. That might yeah. be the most important thing in your daily routine. Taking care of your people, despite the fact that it probably never shows up on your task or to do list.
0: I like that, and you know, I think to my time in corporate America, um, worked in finance was always very well rewarded. We're sort of bonus time. But I was used to sort of say to my wife, you know, I'd give um, things to my team. I'd always be very attentive to them. And my wife would sometimes say, well, you know, why why do you all sort of um, drop whenever someone on your team needs anything? It's like, well, my performance is based off their performance. It's not really performance of me. It's, it's how well am I managing my team how well am I leading my team to get the results for the organization needs? If if they're not successful, it means I'm not successful and you know my leadership gets either gets questioned or they look for someone else to, to, to come in. So I think that's one thing that I've often found is that people don't some leaders and managers don't see the success of their team directly tied in to them. I said to a friend only last night that he's managing people and having some struggles and said, Look, here's here's the thing about it is that people are judging you. You're the director, if something goes wrong, it's on you. If you're people doing what we need to be doing. It's on So You've got to find ways to sort of really motivate and inspire them to, to do the
1: work. Absolutely. And how Simon takes care of his people is going to look different than how Dan takes care of his people. But at the end of the day, we can both subscribe to that tenant and every leader will have better success and become a better leader if they consciously take care of their people.
0: And what are those traits in Dan? So, I mean, it can be a thin line and if i I only had this conversation last night, so it's really um, good that we're having this day. And I said to my friend, you know, a leader grows by their no's, not by their yeses, because it's easy to say yes. You know, can I have Saturday off when there's stuff going on? Yes. You know, can I do that project tomorrow? Yes. Um, but, you know, a leader often grow by their no's, what is, where? where's that thin line between taking care of your people and perhaps overstepping and doing so much where they see you as a friend or they see you as someone who's always going to say yes to their answers? Does that question make sense, Dan?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because I repeatedly tell people when it, taking care of your people does not mean coddling them. It does not mean placating them. It's not about saying yes. It's about a mutual, mutually respectful relationship where... You show trust, respect, caring, support. They'll typically reciprocate and you build a solid relationship. You care about who they are as individuals. You acknowledge important things that go on their life, a birth, a death, sickness of a loved one, those types of things. You get to know them on a a personal basis so that when time comes, when you do have to have a critical conversation, because those always occur, right? You always have to talk to somebody and Have a conversation about less than ideal behavior. But if you've got a well-established, professional, respectful relationship, those conversations are a lot easier. Taking care of your people may be as simple as, and Simon, you've seen some of my videos on LinkedIn. I challenge all leaders with whom I'm engaged on LinkedIn, and I've got close to 3,000 followers. I challenge them on Fridays to spread the love how that manifests itself when I was a school superintendent and even as a principal and associate principal, I spent, I hate things on my calendar on Friday because Friday to me is sacred in regard to creating positive relationships with people. I try to do it all week long, but I overtly and consciously do it on Friday. So what it looks like now in my world today, I work out of my home office. So I'm on the phone, I'm texting, I'm calling people, I'm emailing people. I'm sometimes meeting them for coffee now that we're coming out of this pandemic, but I'm reaching out to people in my network, my clients, my associates, colleagues from previous work engagements. All those different things go into spreading the love and taking care of your people. So what it could look like for somebody who works in a church and you've got office personnel, you've got a security team that meets maybe weekly, but aren't maybe full-time people. So you would reach out to them, text them, hey, you know, hope your week was good. Enjoy the weekend. It could be as simple as that. They then know that you are thinking about them. You're there for them. You welcome them. You know, the opportunity is there for them to reciprocate and also say, hey, well, I've got you on a phone or got you on the text. Here's my quandary. Here's the issue I'm facing or here's what I'm dealing with, whatever. So it's about supporting. It's about knowing your people. It's about respecting them. When you do all those things, trust will be built, and your organization, and ultimately, if you were, you know, you mentioned earlier your sales team or your team, ultimately your bottom line improves. You know, you're making more money. In this case, you've got a safer congregation, a better served congregation, those types of things by taking care of your people.
0: One of the worst stories that i think i can tell about someone not taking care of their people and my old a senior leader of mine uh, there was a good time when we had a we had a need for a project and a unique skill and we took on a contractor um, from an agency and within about a week and we're at work and that contractor became ill and every time we believed he could have been having a, a heart attack wasn't too sure called an ambulance got taken to the hospital I left, went with him to the hospital. I wasn't going to leave until his family arrived and just cancelled all the meetings for that day instantly on my um, on my calendar. And I can remember my boss called me, and I kid you not, Dan, this is a God's honest truth. My, my boss called me and said, where are you? I'm trying to get hold of you. I said, well, I'm at the hospital. One of our team is, you know, unwell. He might have had a heart attack, and I'm sort of here. And he said, well, why did you need to go? And in that moment, I was like a guy who's worked for us for a week as a contractor collapses in the office and goes to hospital. It doesn't matter whether he's been with us for a day or 60 years, I'm going to make sure he's okay until someone from his family is there with him, you know, and and it just, it was just incredible for me, Dan, that my boss even thought like that. He was just saying, well, why why did you need to go? And it's one of those sometimes as a leader as well, but you know, I can share that with you and share it afterwards. But at the time, There's no one you can really share that with because part of a leader sometimes is also keeping your gob shut and sort of and not saying those bad things happen because that would have changed the the team's perception of him instantly because everyone was really concerned about his person's, you know, well-being. And my boss was just saying, Well, well, why are you not in your office doing what I need you to do? So yeah, incredible.
1: Right. And I knew that's where you were going with that story. And I had a, uh, a a story. Now it made me think of when I was an associate principal. I worked directly for a principal. He was a 25-year veteran principal, but he was old school. He was a manager. He does wasn't necessarily a leader. First day of school. Now, keep in mind, I'd been on the job. The first, this was the first day of school. I started July 1st. This was September 1st. And I said, hey, we've got about 12 new teachers. I think it was 12, whatever the number was. We have new teachers in the building today. After school, you and I are going to go to round to each of their rooms to make sure they're okay. Show them, he's like, all right, got it. We So we'll meet here at 3 o'clock and we'll make the rounds. He said, why are we doing this? I said, well, they're new, they need support. So we met at three, we're walking down the hallway. He said, I gotta ask you, could you tell me why we're doing this? So said, come on, dude. These are brand new teachers. Some of them are probably were probably ready to run out to their cars and leave after second period. Some of them are probably thinking, I'm in way over my head. They need our support. Mm. So getting back to what you said, that contractor was there a week. Had you not shown that support, maybe he wouldn't have come back or he wouldn't have been invested in what he was doing for you guys. But you treated him like a... In equal you treated him well it didn't matter if he was there a week if a contractor, 60 year veteran who works side, side side by side with you for 60 years take care of your people we're yeah. all in this together
0: so dan maybe let's move on to a second one then because this is new to me and i like this so so the second one you've got is then leading like king arthur so i i love this so explain this to the people uh what leading like king arthur means
1: well I didn't use this one specifically because of where you're, where you were born. I didn't, you know, I'm, I am drinking. I know in, instantly it
0: resonated with me, and you've you got tea and biscuits over there, Dan.
1: There you go. That's not why I did it. I love this one. Um, I love it enough that I've got Excalibur in the stone tattooed on my back about Yetal. So, um, it's great. I love it. And leading like King Arthur, most people know the story, King Arthur, the Knights of the Round Table when he did that basically he had well-established leaders who were in and of their own right worthy of respect and praise and leadership he happened to be the king they met around the knights of the round table or the knights and he met around the round table and they all had input on the topics at hand now picture yourself in the, your again everybody can do this whether those of you who are listening, whether you're a team of two or a team of ten And you've got your executive leadership team or an advisory council, whatever. You've got people in your network upon whom you need to rely. They've got points of view that you may not have considered. So when you are around a table and allowing other people to talk, that may inform your approach to what you're doing. It still may be your job to make the decision at the end of the day, but your decision is going to be made. It's going to be better than had you not gotten other people's points of view. Because I guarantee you any topic that comes up, Simon's going to have a different point of view than I do because of everything that makes him Simon and everything that makes me Dan. It doesn't mean I'm right and he's wrong or he's right and I'm wrong. It just means his might be slightly different.
0: No, no, I can say, and, and I love that because I can remember, um, I think Nelson Mandela or Simon Sinek might have written about Nelson Mandela or Nelson Mandela said this once about leaders eat last. Uh, and it was sort of really based on the concept that, you know, the leader listens, makes their decision after listening to what the team have to say, not making a leadership decision going into it before your team have had an opportunity to share their views and stuff. So, so I just want to interject there quickly.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I, I've realized in the last couple of years that some of the younger generations aren't necessarily too in tune with who King Arthur is. So I've got a different way to describe it. And it, I like this way too. And I sometimes refer to it as King Arthur in the tissue box. I was in an executive cohort uh, coaching group about three years ago. And the executive coach and one of the uh, president of a company were sitting across the table from one another. And they both had an issue with the same client in different worlds. They had totally different things, but they had the same client. And this client had some issues. And the, the professional relationships with th- these two business owners blew up. They were terrible. Ended up in court. One of them handled it one way, one of them handled it another way, and they did it drastically differently. One of them said, boy, had we done sort of half of what you did and sort of half of what I did met in the middle, maybe we would have had a better result. So I, that resonated with me, and I didn't know how to articulate that for about an hour. Everybody else had turned. There was about five of us in the room, and we all shared our leadership quandaries for the day. And finally, it was my turn to talk. And I said, hey, we need to go back that, to that discussion that occurred about an hour ago there happened to be a tissue box on the, the conference room table between those two leaders. I said, let's assume the tissue box represents the correct answer or not necessarily the correct answer, but the best answer, because huh. sometimes they are just answers that are not as bad as other answers. So you shoot for the best and it's not necessarily perfect, but you, you want the best you can do. So I said, when, if we had talked uh, that issue through, or let's assume you know, I'm sitting there with the tissue box. It's mine. I don't talk to anybody. It's in my lap. I make the decision. That tissue box, that decision's going nowhere, right? It, it's my decision. I, nobody, but let's assume there's five people around the room. I, I say my piece. Simon has imp- his input. Maybe that tissue box sort of moves a little bit towards him. And then Sally is next to Simon and she says something. And then Jenny says something. And then Herb next to me says something. And all of a sudden that tissue box is sort of like moving around the table. Like it'd be almost theoretically becomes an average of the input. So yeah. it is quite possible that if you do that, the, the tissue box could end up right back in your lap because your decision was the best decision and your the points of view you hear, heard did not change your mind. But it's most likely possible that hearing other people's points of view are going to allow you to make a better decision because they've given you a point of view you've yet to consider.
0: I like what you said there, because it, it reminds me a lot that, you know, I think for most, you know, I've been a director of large programs that have sort of managed managers that have sort of people underneath them. And I think most often we go into meetings instantly feeling like we know the answer. Uh, you know, as soon as Dan starts talking, I know what the answer is. But I think what I'm hearing from you is to, even though you might think you have the answer, is to listen, let the team share their views and opinions and then your answer might be changed on the base of what your team really bring to the table. And that's really what you're hiring a team for is their skills and knowledge. Not, we're not looking for yes people. You're looking for their skills and knowledge. And then when that tissue box comes back to you, it's going to look very different. But you're going to collectively got the views and opinions of everyone in the group. They're going to buy into it a lot more. And then you're going to have a more solid, solid answer.
1: Absolutely. Well said. And even if it is my decision as the leader to come out, I'm King Arthur, I come out, here is my decision, it's going to be a better decision. But if it's a collective decision, thinking non-emergency situation where your, you and your leadership team create, make a decision, What well, everybody's going to support that decision because they know everybody's voice was heard, even though it was a collectively built decision. So leading like King Arthur will not fail you. Also, the more diverse your group, the better. I'm talking personality type. I'm talking ethnicity, race, gender, age, different backgrounds. Every, the more diverse your group of advisors is, the better your decisions are going to be because those people are going to come with diverse points of view.
0: And that validation, Dan, is well right, which is really important, but... Uh, when you're just even hosting meetings with your team, people want to feel validated and they want to feel like I'm actually bringing something to the table. You know, when I talk to a lot of leaders, a couple of emotions that they feel, one is they feel stressed and they feel overwhelmed. Uh, And one of the reasons why particularly church security programs fail is that they don't feel like they're making the impact they want. Uh, And that's closely a a third one. They'll say, Simon, you know, this is what I want to do. And even my leaders don't understand, they don't get it. Um, they're not supportive of me, I'm thinking of leaving. I said, well, why? And I said, because I'm not making the impact that I want. So I think I like what you say about leading like King Arthur, because that's going to give that sort of circle of validation. Even, even if, like you said, if someone's got a crap idea or a bad idea, it's still going to make them feel like they've brought someone to the table, they've been heard, and then the leader has made a decision, which is you know, most often what the leaders are paid paid to do. But, yeah.
1: Absolutely. And I like the way you said that because we talk. Oftentimes, we, we talk to executive directors or the lead of an organization, the C-suite people, whoever's in charge, and we hear, you know, I feel like a failure, I'm stressed out, overwhelmed, all these decisions, et cetera. I've stressed with my team years ago, I said, look around this room, look at the power individually each one of us has for leadership, ability, skills, knowledge. We happen to be in an education at the time. I said, think of all the different things we know. If we continue to operate this way, there is nothing that we can't address. There is no emergency. There's no issue. There's no thing that we need to develop that we can't do because look at the power around the room. We've got diverse skills. We've got diverse values, diverse points of view. We can, uh, we can tackle anything. We can do this together. We're stronger together. And that really resonated with people. And it, honestly, it reduced the stress level for me when I, I articulated that and verbalized, because I realized, oh my gosh, there was, I, and I said this to him, there is nothing in public education getting wor- uh, worth getting worked up about. There's stuff to get excited about. Yes. Excitement. Worked up and stressed? No. Because look at the power of the team I had at that time. We could conquer any issue in front of us and do it well. There was no need to stress about it because we had the, the power was within us, power of me individually. We had the power to succeed and we did it and we did it well.
0: I like what you're saying. I'm I'm thinking in my mind, I'm sure people that are either going to watch this back or listen are going to have a leader in mind where they haven't felt they've been validated, they haven't felt that their skills or attributes have been received. Because most people, I feel like when people look to leave a company, it is because they feel like, you know, I'm I'm not growing, I'm not being listened to, I'm not offering stuff. So I think I can raise my hand and say as a leader, I know I'm guilty of not leading like King Arthur on occasions where, you know, you do go in with a predetermined view of an outcome. And you, you may listen, but you don't. You're not fully receptive to the ideas, and you have shut those down. I think we we can mostly all raise our hand. As at some point, we've mostly made it made a mistake. Um, I I love how you say that because if you if you walk into those meetings thinking I've got to lead like King Arthur, it means I've got to give everyone the opportunity to be heard and to give their point and to use the skill set of what we've hired them for. And if at the end, I still disagree, you know, you're, you're the director, you're the senior leader for, for a reason, you know, it's okay to disagree, but it's giving those people the opportunity to feel heard, validated, and, and use their skills because most often, Dan, I think people will say stuff that us as leaders haven't thought about because they're closer to the process from what we are. You know, even if that's in a, a church safety team, whatever it is, the people on the ground, they're closer to the process from what we often are.
1: Absolutely. And another thing that leading like King Arthur did, I I grew because of the input. So in a non-emergency situation, I took the input and I became better versed in my in areas that I wasn't as strong. So picture a security team. You might be leading the team, but your 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 forte is personal safety, where some of your teammates might be tactical. Some may be physical, uh, the physical environment and the safety, you know, blocking doors and stuff. So if you practice that nonstop and lead like King Arthur, and then it comes time, there's an emergency. You've got an active shooter situation. No one's got time to lead like King Arthur during an active shooter situation. You've just got to react. Think of your skill set now because you've spent years leading like King Arthur, embracing the strengths of your teammates, and that has built your strength as well. So when you do have to make a split-second deck decision in an emergency situation, your skills are better because of it, because you've grown as you've led that team like King Arthur.
0: Well, Dan, today we're giving people a bit of a, a teaser here as to what to expect in your book. I know there's another seven that we can dive in. So I'm sort of offering you the invitation. I'd love for you to come back another week and let's um, let's dive into some more of these to, to help our listeners. And I'll, I'll even put it in the link below. Dan has a group um here on facebook which every week every week or a couple of times a week dan you go in live right how often do you go a couple times
1: a week live and then uh, three times with yeah three times i'm live and then a couple nuggets throughout the week
0: so yeah so i'm going to put the link to dan's group consider joining it so you can listen to the wisdom he gives a lot of um a lot of way for free you know he's a leadership coach charges a lot of money so anytime you can get someone's knowledge for free that is always a good thing particularly for us that work in churches so i'll drop the link to his group on facebook so go go and join his group and also uh, consider picking up a copy of his, his new book i was hoping to have mine before we start this conversation i think it arrives this afternoon or tomorrow from amazon so i'll definitely have it for the next one looking forward to to diving in but uh, dan before um i let you go anything else you, you'd want to say on those two tenants that we discussed.
1: No, I appreciate the uh, uh, the, the uh, ability to talk with you this morning. Uh, it's been great. If people want to contact me, my email is dan at leadingbuffalo.com. And there's a whole story behind that. We can get in that in future, but dan at leadingbuffalo.com. And yes, I am a leadership coach, but I also do small group presentations and keynote presentations. So if anybody's interested in booking me, Whether it's virtual or in person, I could hook you up, whether you've got a team of three or you want me to come in and talk to a team of hundreds. I would love to do it. Dan at leadingbuffalo.com and stay tuned to future episodes. And we'll talk about where that name came from, Leading Like a Buffalo, which is the name of one of uh, one of the companies I own.
0: Thank you for listening to the Church Security Made Simple podcast. If you're looking for training on how to keep you and your church community safe, or if you're interested in working with me on my five-week group coaching program, please head over to worshipsecurity.org. And if you've enjoyed this podcast episode, don't forget to rate and review wherever you are listening. Now I'll be back with you on the next episode, but until then, stay safe, have a blessed day, and remember, always plan, prepare, and protect your ministry.